those Bibles out. They're in the seats in front of you, or maybe you brought your own. That would always, always be good. And let's go to Ephesians today. You say, well, you're in a series in 1 Timothy. I get that. But I want to take a little detour today to Ephesians chapter 6. Some of you are going to say, well, preacher, you were coming to one of the toughest passages in Timothy. Yes, I know. <laughs> and we will pick that section up next week. And I really do anticipate our time together next week as we, as we tackle that issue that is so prominent today in life and church life. And so I look forward to doing that. But we'll do it next week because I wanted to focus on families today and give us an opportunity to take God's word and really speak it to those who are in the front sections here our parents, our grandparents, the extended family and friends who have come, and to point to all of us as well what God has for us in our call to be connected to family. You know, family is society's most important building block. In fact, there's no more vital construction for society than the family. And I know of no stronger material for society or a nation than the strong building blocks of a Christian family. So you might say that family is the backbone and the strength and vitality of a society, and it is. Strong families build strong communities, and strong communities build strong nations. And so I want to talk about that today. It reminded me of the words of John Paul II, who said back in 1986, as the family goes, so the na goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. And he was right about that. Uh, families put us in the direction that God wants us to be, or families, potentially the brokenness of families, will put a nation into a pathway of destruction. Our country is a fractured culture because the building blocks of our nation, the families, are broken and the church is the answer for that. Families within the church, we are the answer to that. So our nation is paying a heavy price for the brokenness of the homes of the nation. I think the rampant addiction, the moral degradation, the unproductivity that we find in culture today, the violence and the disrespect and the forsaking of the ways and the will of God is all because of broken families by broken people. However, you and I can make a significant impact on rebuilding this land. We can make an impact on rebuilding the culture and the society by building up strong, multi-generational families. And I want to encourage us to do that today. I want to look at the scripture uh, that I think Jesus would have us to look to and figure out how you and I might be grounded in Jesus Christ and his truths so that multi-generationally our families are strong. Some of you might have come from broken homes. Maybe you're here today as a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a child, a grandchild, some extended family member, and you recognize that God has given you purpose within this structure of families, but maybe you have failed to submit yourself to that role. I want to encourage you to do so by the end of the hour today. You might say, well, I come from a family of brokenness. Can I remind you that Jesus changes all that? Jesus takes that which is broken, and he goes ahead and kills it on the cross of Calvary, 
And through his resurrection gives us opportunity for a new birth and a new start and a new life and a new family. And so I want to encourage you to think in that way today. You thought that your family's opportunities are somewhat limited, that continued brokenness is inevitable for your future and your family's future. But I want you to remember that the gospel is transformational. The gospel founds a new establishment for your life in which you can build upon not just you, but the generations right behind you and the multi-generations that are coming behind them. God is building anew on the foundation of the gospel and he's inviting you to join him in that building and Jesus is giving you that kind of opportunity. If you're a husband here today, a dad, a granddad, God is calling out to you specifically. He will be speaking to your heart if he has not already started. Perhaps the sin in your life has kept you from a relationship with God. Maybe it's generationally impacting your life and the lives of your family members. I want you to hear me that God is calling out to you to be made new today, to renounce the sins of the present and the sins of the past and be made new as you receive his forgiveness and his righteousness that will be credited to you by Jesus Christ. If you're a wife, a mom, or a grandmother here today, God wants to regenerate your heart. And as he's regenerating your heart, he'll call your family to be regenerated in him as well. And he will bring transformation as a gift of grace as you move in faith towards him. And I pray that you'll do that. It'll not only impact your life, but it'll impact the lives of your family members. This is a big deal. This, this changes everything for families. Jesus Christ, he's offering us hope individually and collectively as a family. Listen to some of the passages that are so true to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. All people have sinned. This is the generational curse of sin. You're a sinner because your daddy was a sinner and because his daddy was a sinner and all the way back to Adam. It took one man to start that and it just was a perpetual reoccurring thing that happens in all generations. Sin is prevailing in all generations. Verse 17 of that same chapter says, For if because of one man's trespass, Adam's sin, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You want to know how to change the broken cycle? You want to know how to interrupt the Adamic sin that is in your life and your family's life generationally? Jesus Christ. He's the interrupter. He changes everything. He'll make you new. He'll take that sin that has been prevailing in your life and he'll eradicate it. He'll wash it away and give you the credit of his own righteousness. He'll give you a new nature. No longer with the nature of Adam, you'll have the nature of Jesus Christ, the second Adam. And that will, for cha that will forever change everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old passes away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, 
That's a great section right there if you're one to mark in your Bible. And I just circle uh, the first few words of verse 18. All this comes from God. In other words, you're not clawing and scrimping and scraping trying to make change in your life. No, it's given to you as a gift from God. God will bring the transformation and God will bring the hope. All of this is from him who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So Jesus Christ is the means for the new life. Your old life is marked with sin, failure, and regret just like mine is. But that passes away in Christ Jesus. When your faith is put in Christ, that passes away. And he births into you a new spiritual life from above and transforms everything. Can I just tell you, if you're, if you're here today and somebody's invited you here today, they love you. That's the reason why they've invited you. And some of them have come to me to say, Pastor, make sure you're preaching the gospel this Sunday I'm preaching the gospel every Sunday because I don't know who's coming to this place that the Spirit of God has brought here that needs to know that good news. Man, God wants you to be saved and God has provided for your salvation. The Spirit of God has brought you here today and saying to you, you must be born again. Come to him and your life will forever be changed. And since we're thinking about families generationally, your family can change generationally you say well my family's different than I am then catch up to them come to where they are be gloriously wonderfully joyfully saved Jesus reconciles life he forgives our sin he erases the debt of that sin which is against us and he credits us with his righteousness Jesus changes broken people people who are captive to their sin chained to it can't get away from it Jesus breaks the bonds that have kept you in the slavery of sin and he empowers you and entrusts you with his reconciliation making it so that you can be a reconciler that's how strong families are built. They're built on Jesus Christ who reconciles them to God and then gives them the ministry of reconciliation so that that love that they've received from God can be distributed throughout their family. You can make the change. You got drama in your family? Come to Jesus Christ. He'll correct the drama between you and him in your life and he'll make it so that you can be a reconciler so that the drama dissipates. He'll give you a heart full of forgiveness and love and grace and you'll begin to act out in those ways in your family and you'll begin to model that in your family. I encourage you to do so. So the dedication of your family starts first with the dedication of your heart, your life to Jesus. It's how it starts for all of us. We dedicate ourselves to Christ. My father's father was distant and removed, ultimately leaving my grandmother. He was a man that was given to the world. He was one who rejected the way of Christ. His life was marked with sin and addiction, leaving in his wake pain and suffering among the family. However, something changed generationally and the generation was transformed when my dad came to know Jesus Christ and gave his life to the Lord. He surrendered his life to the wondrous name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. 
And he pledged to live his life in Christ. And God wondrously changed him. And he made him anew. And when he gave him a new nature by the Spirit taking up residence in him, he made him not to have the nature of his daddy on earth. He gave him the nature of his daddy in heaven. And that changed things. Everything was different. The subsequent generations of my dad are different. All my siblings know Jesus Christ as Lord. And all my father's grandchildren have surrendered their lives to Christ Jesus. By God's grace, every marriage in our family is whole. There's not a single one that has experienced divorce. The generations of my father are productive in society I'm not being braggadocious about our family. I'm telling you that God changes things. My family, the Gunner family, was on a path of destruction. We were on a path of addiction. We were on the path of brokenness and pain and suffering and eternal damnation. But the Spirit of God convicted one man in a generation, and that broke the cycles that have been going on. That made change in my family. It made change in me and my siblings and the ministries that we're connected to, and it made change into our sons and daughters one man who hears the gospel and it changes everything you're that man you're that woman and God is calling out to you to be changed to be saved and to let the subsequent generations be set uniquely because you heard his voice and you heeded his call and you forsook the sin in your life and you chose from this day forward to live differently, radically different because a radical transformation was happening from the inside of you. What a change. What a change. My family's hope is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and if there is a bloom of beauty in our life it is because of the transformation of Christ that is within us from children to adults to senior adults God is offering redemption through his son Jesus so I urge you be born again start it all over again not by your doings but by his doings be spiritually born from above from heaven I urge you to be made new in Christ Jesus by surrendering your life to him and he will forgive you and he will transform you and he will begin a work in you that will Move throughout the generations of your family. Trust God and surrender to him. Now, I hadn't yet got to the message that I want to share with us. But I can't preach the message without you having the foundation. So let me just pause and pray for you. Lord, you created in me such an urgency for that to be delivered that I could not say no to you. So Lord, I thank you that you're at work. You wouldn't have done that if you were not already at work, so thank you. And I'm thankful for Jesus because when he begins a good work, he completes it to the end. So Lord, that saving work that you have begun, that call that you have given, that long suffering that you have endured, Bring the harvest in from it today, I pray.
for the one who thought that life could not change or that you didn't care. May they know your love and hope that is found in Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. Now let's go to Ephesians. I want to go to that last chapter. And I, I sort of hate to do this because the whole book has been moving to build such a solid foundation that the last chapter tells how the relationships of life that are built on this gospel hope, how they begin to be exposed to others, this gospel message exposed in life. And, but the first relationship is all about family, so it gives me an opportunity to kind of point to that and talk about the relationship that family has together and encourage us and what God is saying to us in this scripture. So Ephesians chapter 6, let's look at the first few verses here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I've got two points that I want to make today. There could be many, but I'm just going to make two of them. And all of God's people say amen to that. I want to speak directly to the children for a moment and the teenagers in this room. And if you're thinking, well, my kids are over at Kids Worship Live, good. Christy and I have made a, an agreement. She's going to share the exact same things that I'm sharing today. So they're going to hear the same truths, just at, at a uh, different way. To every child and teenager, I want you to know and have this understanding, you were born a rebel. You were born with a deep longing to sin. You were engaging to seek to be disobedient you were born self-absorbed eager to be deceptive manipulative all kinds of sin were put in you when you were born now don't be offended by that it's true of all of us uh, the one standing before you right now declaring that truth has the very same thing born in sin the sin is so against God is in my flesh. It doesn't mean that God is not transforming and he is not making me anew. He is. But the sin was deposited there. God has commissioned your parents, kids, to help you to recognize the sin of your flesh and to lead you to a desire for a new nature, a new longing for what is right rather than the longing of your flesh which is wrong in sin. And as parents, we understand this. This is what God has called us to do, that God has commissioned us to help you to recognize the sin of your flesh. In fact, we know when we give commands to you and we ask you to obey, we know that you're going to struggle with that. We know when we say, go clean up your room, that you're not only going to not want to do that, but if you do do that, you're just going to throw things under your bed. We know that. We know that when we instruct you to be home at a certain time that your brain is thinking, how can I push the boundary of that time? We recognize that. 
when we tell you not to play near the road, we know that you think the most fantastic place to play, the greater adventures are right there where you can feel the wind of the trucks and the cars that are zooming by. We know that because we have experienced all that and still experience some of that to a degree. Parents understand in general that kids and all people do really dumb things. In fact, that that is amplified many times over when you are a teenager or when you are a kid. We know the wrestlings we have in disobedience and we know the wrestlings you have. And we reckon that our job is to help you to identify that, to help you to recognize that that is in you. Now, some parents think that they have a responsibility to beat that out of you. And that is not their responsibility. The responsibility is for them to help you and instruct you and yes, sometimes discipline with punishment you so that you realize you have something in you that longs to do the opposite of what you have been instructed to do. And at some point in your life, we pray that the Spirit of God will work in your heart and in your mind to the point that you say, I want to be different. And you'll call out to the one who can make you different, the one who can give you a new spirit and a new nature and a longing for righteousness rather than unrighteousness. We long for that. I'm just going to be as authentic as I know how to be before you. As a parent, I didn't recognize that up front. I thought my job was to help my kids to behave. I didn't really realize my job was to nurture their heart, to move them to the need of the gospel, to help them to recognize that God wanted to impart into them a new nature, but they would first have to come to an understanding of their sinful, rebellious nature. I didn't recognize that. I wish I could go back and do that over again. I can tell you as a grandparent, I do know that now. And although it's my son's responsibility to lead his children, and it's his wife, my daughter-in-law's responsibility to guide them in the way of the word, it will be Kay and my pleasure to reinforce that exponentially, that we would invest into them the gospel and help them to understand the need for the gospel. Parents understand in general that this is our call, this is our duty, that we have two basic goals in mind. Now, there are many of them, but the basic goals of parenthood sort of root down to this for me it's number one I got to keep you alive and number two I've got to get you to the point that you have new life in Jesus Christ now there's a whole bunch more to it but those are two main goals in fact when the kids are at our house the grandkids at our house I'm thinking okay they came to me not maimed they came to me alive I need to make sure they get home pretty much the same way and while I'm protecting them in their lives and having fun doing it, uh, I want to speak to them and nurture them. And so I'm singing hymns to them, and Kay and I are talking about Christ and the stories of the Bible and just sort of reinforcing what their parents are doing. Now, the way we do this, as the Bible says, is through instruction and discipline. Christian parents have a duty to protect and nurture and instruct their children. Kids and teens, listen to me, it may not seem like it, 
But when your parents are giving you instruction, they really do believe that you're gonna be better off if you obey them. Now, I think somehow in our twisted, messed up minds, the way we think in a deceptive way, in our fleshly ways, we think that our parents really don't like us and they're making us do things that we don't wanna do, really. They want your life better off. And so unless they're just not given to the things of God, they're giving you instruction that is meant to be helpful to you. It may seem that your parents want to make your life difficult, but really their instructions are giving you hope. The quicker you understand that your sinfulness brings pain and destruction in your life, then the sooner you'll hope for a different pattern in your life. And the quicker you realize that you feel the opposition of your parents' good instructions, then you will go beyond that and recognize that it's your sinful ways that's in the trouble spot, and soon you'll stop resisting them, and your life will be better for that. We've got to all come to the conclusion that we have a central, sinful nature that can only be transformed with a new birth from the above. So parents, lead your children to understand that truth and be given to that truth. Help your kids know the need for a Savior and the need for a new life and a new nature that he affords to us through his life, his death, and his resurrection and his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. If you're a Christian child or teenager, God demands that you obey your parents. In fact, he says this is in the Lord. Obey and honor your parents in the Lord. In other words, obedience means to hear under. The literal translation for the Greek there is to hear under. So hear the instruction and come under it in the Lord. So this is way bigger than just your parents. This is way bigger than them getting their way. This is about you receiving their instruction, hearing it, and obeying it because you want to do it in the Lord. You're not just obeying your mom. You're not just obeying your dad. You are obeying the Lord. And you are not just disobeying your mom, disobeying your dad. You are disobeying the Lord when you disobey them. So he says, obey, children obey, hear and come under the instruction. You're to obey because God says to obey and it's the right thing to do. Do it unto him, it's the right thing to do. So parenting is not about telling your kids what to do. Apparently, parenting is ultimately about teaching your children in the Lord. Respect and obey and honor. Every generation needs to understand that. So the Bible says, obey your parents and honor your father and your mother. You know, obedience and honor really do go together. If I were going to try to define that, I'd say it this, doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. That's obedience and honor. Now, when you're out from under the authority and the provision of your father and your mother, then obedience is not the the leading command honor always stays in the leading position when I left my dad's house and Kay and I became one flesh I was no longer to obey my father although his wisdom and his instruction is good worthy of obedience I'm not commanded to obey him but I am to honor him and I want to honor him well I want to honor him all the way through till he takes his last breath. 
because that's what the Lord says to do. Randy, when you honor your father in that way, you're doing it in the Lord. It's as if you're honoring Jesus Christ that way. And when you honor your mother, you're doing it in the Lord. So God commands obedience while we're young and under the provision and care of our parents, but honor, he commands that for a lifetime. Now look at the second point. Parents, discipline and, and instruct your children of the Lord. So a child receives the instruction and obeys and honors in the Lord. The parents are instructing and disciplining in the Lord, uh, excuse me, of the Lord. There's so much about parenting that I didn't understand when my kids were young and I made way more mistakes than somebody should be allowed to make. But like many of you, Kay and I came home with our firstborn somewhat overwhelmed, not knowing exactly what to do with this little bundle. However, that little boy survived our ignorance and he has now grown up and become a father of his own sons. I remember Hayden coming to me and asking me questions that all parents ask. Like, Dad, how, how do I care for this baby? How do, I, how do I raise this baby? How do I know what to do? Well, I, I gave him some common sense advice. I said, well, son, the good news is that your son is very resilient. God has made it that they're pretty difficult to kill. <laughs> I know you're worried about that kind of stuff now but more than likely they're going to survive you're going to make a lot of mistakes man man do you ever make some mistakes and you're going to have lots of regrets but more than likely they're going to survive now the role of parenting is far greater than keeping them alive although that's a worthy goal the role of parenting is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that's what the Bible says and to somehow do that without provoking in them anger because nobody likes discipline and instruction you've got to figure out how to give discipline and instruction to a flesh that is deeply sinful and to do it in a way that is not provoking them to hate you, to hate God, to hate instruction, to provoke them to anger so be careful not to interact with your children in a way that will build up resentment and that will bring hostility towards you and to the Lord. Be careful about that. The way you're careful about that is recognizing that discipline has more to do with the overarching instruction of your children than anything else. You can't spell discipline without first spelling disciple. And so you recognize that when God is saying, bring them up in the discipline of the Lord, what he is saying is disciple them, nurture them, instruct them, lead them, speak to them, and yes, sometimes punish them. You know, God has put a reset button right back there on the backside, and every now and then you just have to hit that button to get the reset going. But punishment is about discipleship. It's not about revenge. It's not about anger. I wish I could go back and do some of the punishment again. Now that I know what I know, it's about discipleship. So instruct your children by shaping their heart. This is what the book of Proverbs is trying to teach. It's a father teaching his son 
instructing, discipling, hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Train up the child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's the discipline, that's the instruction, that's the molding, if you will, that continues. That's the purpose of a parent, to move the child towards the ways of God. And when the Bible instructs parents to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, we're commanded to be the voice and the way of the Lord. You represent Christ. So lead your children in that way that Christ is leading you. Now let me speak to grandparents for a moment, then I'll close. I know it's not meant to be this way, but in some ways, grandparenting is the grand practice of doing it over again. Knowing the things that you thought were such a big deal back then that turned out not to be a big deal when you were raising your kids. You're just living it differently. You sort of get that if you've had multiple kids. You get that with the baby. The baby, you're not nearly as bothered by things. I can remember the passy falling for the first one and we would go and sterilize the passy. The passy would fall for the second one and we might wipe it off and stick it back in. <laughs> the baby of the third, the baby baby falls, the passy falls to the floor and you say, oh, pick that thing up and stick it back in your mouth. <laughs> it's just, you realize that the things that you thought were a big deal, not that big of a deal when you got the multiples coming on. Man, it's generationally refreshing because all the things that so angst you as a parent that weren't a big deal they're not a big deal in your house I remember watching my dad interact with my kids and I went to him one day I said who are you <laughs> what alien has taken over the body of my father I'm sort of liking what I'm seeing don't bring him back but no I'm just kidding <laughs> He's out of town today probably watching. Maybe Daniel can edit that part out and he won't ever know that I've talked about him today. But yet you just kind of do things differently, don't you? You just kind of have a reset and that's good. I'm grateful, I'm thankful for you and for the opportunity that I have to be able to do that. I know this is gonna be challenging, but um, would you consider, those of you who are grandparents, writing down those things that just are burning in you that you do it differently? Maybe it's the attitudes or the thoughts or the practices. Don't keep those secret. Just write them down. Would you just be encouraged to write down just a short list of those things? You know, I've got an opportunity here to make an impact on some kids' lives and my family, and you've afforded me that. I'm just going to write them down and then share them with your son or daughter. Now, a couple of things might happen. Number one, it might resolve some tensions that are deeply set between you. And number two, it will speak wisdom and experience into that generation. Just jot them down and then share them. You know, the pastor at Meadowbrook asked me just to write some things down that I would do differently if I had kids. And now that I have grandkids, I can kind of practice it differently. I'm just gonna share with you what I wrote down. These are the things that I'm purposeful to do different. 
And I'm sharing with you those things because I want you to know that I recognize some of the blunders that I made as a parent, and I want to ask you to forgive me. And secondly, man, I hope you don't make the same mistakes I make. And just share that with them. Kay and I own a small piece of property, and part of our inspiration is a multi-generational deal that we want to work in this property in a way that our kids and our grandkids get to use it and flourish in it. Now, in all likelihood, we're going to die and they're going to sell it before our bodies are in the grave. <laughs> so be it. Biden, by then, will have the opportunity to take half of it anyway, so it's not going to be that big of a deal. A lot of editing, a lot of editing in this place. <laughs> but we've got this vision and across from where the house site is gonna be is a lake and we've stocked it with fish. Went fishing for the first time yesterday. Watched my grandson catch the first fish out of the lake. Man, I hope his son gets to do that. And across the lake is a pasture that we're installing a fence. I wanna raise up some stuff and People say, what do you want out there? I only want out there what I can eat. I want to share that with my kids and my grandkids and their kids. But in that pasture, there's 12 pecan trees. I didn't know pecan trees would grow so stinking slow. But they're growing slow. I knew that the harvest wouldn't be in my lifetime that I was planting those trees for my sons and the kids that come after them. Now, one day, it's going to be significant. Oh, sure, we get a little pecans here and there. Every tree might produce a handful of them right now. But there's coming a day in the future that that grove of pecan trees is going to produce like gold for them. You ever bought pecans at Publix? Man, I hope they get a lot of pecans because there's a lot of value in that. The Chinese have a proverb. It says, one generation plants the trees and the next generation gets the shade. One generation is planting for a future harvest. Our job, my job, Kay's job is to plant and to nurture and to prune and to fertilize and protect knowing oh sure there's a little bit of a harvest today but the greater harvest is coming for another generation as moms as dads as uncles as aunts people who are connected to other people make your investment knowing that you're going to have some of that return today but the greater return is going to be in the future generations and when we get that not only will that make this place this people this body healthy and productive but this community will be transformed and when this community changes potentially the state of Alabama changes and when Alabama changes the United States changes and when the U.S. changes it affects the world your relationships matter. And God says there's no relationship like the family relationship. Do your part and invest well. Now let's pray together. Oh Lord, my heart is stirred 
I want to make an impact. I want to make an investment that's kingdom oriented. I want to make an impact for eternity. So would you help me? I think, Lord, there are many people in this room that are praying that prayer. Some of them just starting out in the way of salvation. Some of them just moving towards you in faith. Some of them hearing that today there's a possibility of transformation, a possibility where chains of sin are broken, a new nature is available. So, Lord, I thank you for that word. I pray that you'd help them move in faith with your great grace and that grandfathers, grandmothers would chart a new way dads and moms would be totally different and they would see an investment in kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and friends and family that would pay off for many generations to come let it be to the glory and honor of Jesus and the goodness of people 